0: السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته أنا عمار الصبان من بودكاست مستدفر حلقة اليوم حتكون شوية مختلفة أولا لأنها حتكون كلها بالإنجليزي وثانيا السبب أنه ليش هي بالإنجليزي تعرفوا مسلسل اسمه The Simpsons أو البرنامج الكوميدي Saturday Night Live أو Funny or Die على يوتيوب طيب ضيوفنا اليوم هم اثنين من الناس اللي اشتغلوا ككتاب على هذه البرامج كوميديين من هوليوود في لوس أنجلوس وكانوا جو على أبوظبي ضمن برنامج تدريبي أو ورشة عمل نظمتها السفارة الأمريكية مع جامعة جنوب كاليفورنيا في برنامج اسمه American Film Showcase. وأنا كنت من المحتضين اللي كانوا ضمن ورشة العمل هذه. وصراحة أتعلمت منهم مرة كثير وما حبيت إنه أخلي العلم هذا لنفسي.
1: فطلبت منهم منهم يكونوا ضيوف عندنا على واحد من حلقات مستتفر ووافقوا وهذه هي الحلقة اليوم. A friend of mine told me a statistic. That's a thing I do a lot. I'll say like I read it and I realized somebody <laughs> told it to me. <laughs> uh but it was about Americans and uh and uh air travel and it's something like truly it, it might be I I don't know exactly what it was but it was like 20% of Americans have never flown on a plane. Something like it, I think over half of Americans have not taken a flight in the last year. You know, America's a very large country with a lot of different types of people. But it's an interesting statistic, I thought. When I hear that
2: statistic, I think that Americans are saving the earth, saving (laughs) fossil fuels. Maybe that's what it is. Uh,
1: Well, we all know that America (laughs) is the number one. uh, Earth savers. (laughs) The the number one (laughs) earth
2: saver. (laughs) I I think that, uh, like, I guess if I had to think about why that is – a, it's such a big country that you could travel really, really, really far and still be in the country, mm-hmm. um, so you wouldn't need a passport or have to leave the country. I think also, I don't know for sure, but there there's not a curiosity for other parts of the world that are really, ta- that's like kind of taught or, or cultivated in American culture, it's because so much of our culture is exported to other parts of the world. And we're just always seeing Americans doing American things. And like, there's kind of a fear of doing things any other way Um, because like the way we do in America is the best way. And like, um, you know, it's like an American exceptionalism thing.
0: So I grew up in Saudi Arabia, but not everybody is really into the American culture or let's say pop culture, but a lot of influence is already here. Mm-hmm. When you look at restaurants like McDonald's or, you know, Coke and Pepsi and, and Twix and Snickers and all, all of these things that, mm-hmm. that come from America, everybody just, it's like, it's part of life. Mm-hmm. But then you look at the media and 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 you don't see a lot of local representation. But at the same time, you see a lot of American influence. I remember from an early age, um, as a kid, most of the cartoons that I used to watch well, it was a mix when it comes to cartoons, but shows in general. We watch a lot of, of American shows. I mean, we used to get MacGyver. <laughs> and I love twist <laughs> army knives <laughs> just watching MacGyver I feel like I need that tool. <laughs> is, I can like you know save any situation if I have the pocket knife. Uh-huh. Yes. And my mom of course was scared of knives and was like nope you're not going to yeah. get a pocket knife. So
2: then your mom gave you a paper clip and a rubber band and a piece of tape. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked just as good because you watched
1: MacGyver, MacGyver. I mean we all know MacGyver like made things out of other things basically but did he have a tool? Did he have like of course it's MacGyver's knife. Like did he have something like that? I don't that? think so. So, so he he was literally just every time he was just, okay, this glass and this water bottle and this thing we can make a, a bomb or the, whatever.
0: Yeah. Doing. The only thing he would have on him was a Swiss army knife. That's it.
1: Oh, okay. Uh,
2: and right. his wits.
0: Yes. And yeah.
2: <laughs> his greatest weapon,
0: ingenuity. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny when when you go to the States as somebody who's who grew up somewhere else and it's, um, you find people over there sometimes surprised that. Oh, you know this. Oh, you know that. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it was a, my parents lived in the states for eight years, and um, and I grew up on that type of pop culture. Um, and you're talking about late '70s, early '80s, so we watched a lot of <laughs> Solid Gold and Donnie and Marie, and. <laughs> um, one of my favorite shows was like dukes of Hazard, the greatest American hero you know all, yeah. all of these shows
1: did you did you talk about did you mention Soul Train the other day? Yes or, yes, yes I because I'm a soul train fan and uh, I was uh, reminded of that because I just realized like that's one of the great American shows and people know no one, t- no one t- a lot of people don't remember it because it's like a syndicated show yeah. you know uh, it doesn't make a lot of the like the kind of Hall of Fame type shows, but it is it's one of the great American cultural it's one of the greatest. It's American still running, shows. right? Uh, I don't think it's running anymore, but it's uh, on syndication. I mean, may- maybe some reruns are on syndication, and then Don Cornelius, the host, of, is long dead. But uh, yeah, I'm fascinated with Soul Train dancers, and uh, uh, because some of them went on to like be great choreographers and great dancers in their own right. Senators
2: (laughs) and (laughs) congresswomen.
1: Senator Dianne Feinstein is a a, a former Uh, soul train dancer. First president soul (laughs) train dancer. Wow.
2: The glass ceiling.
0: But you see, this is something that's also people around the Middle East don't really think about is that having celebrities or like singers or dancers or actors to to become like – officials or senators or leaders, or it's it's just like, oh, you're an entertainer. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I, I struggled with as an entertainer um, was that conception that people would look at you as a clown. But it's it's not one of those professions that people look at with respect and respectful occupations here is a big thing and it puts a stop to a lot of people's dreams when they say it's like oh what would people say about us if our son is a singer or is an actor
1: so here a leap let's say like we've had now two presidents that came from the kind of the world of entertainment into into uh, Mm -hmm. uh, being president that is unthinkable here i mean the idea of an actor becoming a a, yeah yeah
0: because they don't don't see it as somebody who's who's intellectual yeah somebody who's um now it's changing a lot. I mean, w- and w- the more and more and more content that we put out, that's more not edu- educational, but more serious content that you put out. Mm-hmm. Um, and with social media, people tend to see a different side of people. Right? Do you feel like that? That people look at celebrities or look at people in the entertainment industry?
2: Um, I don't know. I It's. Much of my social circle is people made up, of, you know, my social circle is made up of people who are a lot of them in the industry. Uh-huh. So I don't have that much contact with people who are outside of that. My sense is like the larger population, like if you see this a lot on when a celebrity or let's let's say an actor um, makes a political statement and it's a lot of like, oh, stick to acting. I don't care, <laughs> you know, like... Or a, a musician, like, go back to singing, I only care about your singing, as if people aren't, hum- like, citizens who can have an opinion. And like you were saying, a lot of people that make it to the top of their field, they're they're doing it because they're really good and hardworking and disciplined and talented. And it just happens to be in a field that is maybe a little bit not um, as easily understood by people who are used to more, quote-unquote, normal jobs. So... I think it's, there have been people who've made that crossover, but my guess is like the general population still has like a um, this idea of creatives as out of touch.
0: My brothers, all of them work like in managerial and a more corporate world. And I'm, I'm the only one who's... The blue monster. Or the blue monster, <laughs> yes, to put it in a better way. Their world is totally different. But once I really explore, because it, it, it took me a while to really find this part of myself Mm -hmm. but before that you know you're you're trying to imitate everybody else and you're not really quite there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and nobody can really take you seriously because you you can't really do whatever they're doing Mm -hmm. but up until you get into your own skin and really start working at that people can see us like oh okay Mm -hmm. so he's doing stuff that we can't even imagine Mm -hmm. and you see you know that look begins to shift of how they look at you um your community in general I feel it's different but it's 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 still we're still at the beginning when it comes to the media industry and it's and everybody looks at Hollywood like oh that's that's the pinnacle that's that's where everybody needs to be that's the standard of everything mm. but do you feel like that's something that is being portrayed over there that we
1: we control this or we know how to do this you mean that the sense of that the US has a uh, like a dominance on media production on, on
0: yeah entertainment
1: oh you know. well i don't know i mean i think this i, I think we you know entertainment is global and imported and exported and certainly you know uh films from uh, all over the world make it into um make it into the united states television less so uh music i would say less so uh uh makes it into uh uh, you know it's interesting when you go into a foreign country or you just study it about a foreign country or realize like oh in italy the number one pop star is some person i've never heard of you know um i don't know if, if in the u.s uh, there is the realization of just how pervasive the culture is. I don't, I didn't actually even realize that I'm here and just watching films in the hotel. And I'm like, Oh, we're, well, there's American films on the, you know, it's, it's a lot of American films. It's a lot of American films yeah. on the movie channels. It might be, close to you know i don't know if you just took any day on the, on some of these channels it might be 80% american films um so uh yeah that's a, that's i i i don't know if i don't know if we would know that or or uh i don't know i
2: think i think when if uh i'm probably speaking for and generalizing americans but it it could come from like one of two places which is like i'm so Ameri-centric in my view for whatever reason, that of course I assume everyone knows everything about America. So, I mean, it, so, so we're talking about like that surprise that so people might presume that you should know everything about America. Like, why wouldn't you? Which is like an arrogance in and of itself. Or, you know, there's the other, which is just like being surprised you know about America because I would assume that you didn't. I don't want to presume that you did.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, you're taught, I think out of politeness, you're taught not to assume that people, um, know what you're talking about if you say whatever or the name of a celebrity. But, you know, generally, we all know the same celebrities around the it, it's world. It's been
2: cool to, to be on Twitter and, like, just look at the trending topics or – um, some of the news stories that were coming up and have no idea who any of while I've been here, and have no idea what any of the people, who the people are. It really just reminds you how big the world is. Like, you get so obsessed with these celebrities and these news stories or these politicians and these news stories and you get yeah. somewhere halfway across the world and yes, yeah, some of the people are the same, but it, you're like, oh, right. Like, it's a whole different thing <laughs> that a lot of people
1: here are probably yeah. super focused on. You know. What always, you know, shocks me. A great example of this is when you look at England, and like, if you ever watch like a YouTube video of like, here's a guy that, do, here's an English guy who does a lot of good, great impressions or something. And it'll, it'll be like, it'll start off with like, oh, he's doing Christopher Walken and he's doing, uh, you know, uh, Robert De Niro and he's doing Donald Trump and he's doing this. And then it'll be like, and here's Roger Nielsen and here's, uh, uh, Patty Tund- Tunderson or whatever. And these are all these British, uh, these are like British radio guys and British, the guy that hosts British American Idol, the guy that hosts British, this and you realize, oh, it's like an alternate universe. Yeah. Like Great Britain is like, and that's something that like American culture and Great Britain are, are, are I would say, much closer just in terms of maybe culture and language and shared history or whatever and just distance. But even Great Britain's like on a, a different planet, <laughs> yes, you know, like of is. celebrities. It's like, what the, are you talking about? <laughs> you know, who are these people?
0: <laughs> well, just so that we uh, make sure if we started recording or not. Yes, we did. Uh, I'm Ahmad Saban.
2: I'm Christine Nangle.
0: I'm Ryan Perez. Okay, so can you tell people a little bit about yourselves? Who you are, your background, what do you do?
2: Sure. We're, well, we are here in Abu Dhabi because we are part of the American Film Showcase Program that is teaching sketch comedy through the embassy, the U.S. Embassy. And um, like Ryan, who will explain himself in a minute, I'm a television comedy writer, based in the U.S.
0: What shows do you work on or worked on?
2: Um, I've worked on several different shows. Um, Currently working for The Simpsons. Um, I've worked uh, on Inside Amy Schumer, uh, The Kroll's show. I worked, um, uh, my first job was Saturday Night Live, which is where I met Ryan. Uh, But I had come out of the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, which is a sketch and improv theater, which is where I kind of got my start and learned a lot of stuff.
1: I uh, also, uh, I'm, a, I'm a writer and a director, and I live in Los Angeles. And uh, I, uh, like Christine, came from uh, kind of came up in the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, their training in improv and sketch. And then also, like her, I uh, worked at S, uh, Saturday Night Live for a little bit. Uh, and then also, uh, together, we worked on The Break with Michelle Wolf, which was a Netflix show uh, for a little bit last year. And uh, I've worked on a bunch of different shows. I worked on a Comedy Central series called Moonbeam City, which was an animated series. And uh, 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 I've worked uh, on a number, I don't know, a lot of shows that kind of like came and went. Yeah. Uh, I worked at Funnier or Die for many years. Uh, that's Will Ferrell and Adam McKay's. Uh, it's kind of now uh, doesn't produce so much content, but uh, back in the day, for a long time, they were producing content, and I worked there for about eight years, making shorts uh, and sketches, uh, uh, writing and directing them uh, on and off. So, uh, yeah, that was a that's a, you know vague, vague sense of what I've done. <laughs> yeah,
0: but you know, see, you talk about it like it's ah, I worked here, I worked there, but these are big names like Simpsons and Saturday Night Live and mm-hmm. Funny or Die. That's like something that people watch like almost every day, and it's. I, I get that when, when people talk to me about working with Sesame Street and, and being like some of the characters and, and, and they see it as like, wow, your job must be amazing. Is this, well, it was maybe the first month or so. <laughs> and then it just becomes work. Right? Right. You, you get accustomed to it. But I always felt like it's, it's really crazy working for SNL. How crazy is that for just writing these things and working with a live show like that that you put on every week?
2: It's probably as crazy as anyone could possibly imagine it is. <laughs> yeah.
0: How
1: many writers would there usually be? I don't know what it is now. It changes probably from season to season, but I want to say there's like maybe 20 writers, like full, full-time writers there. And then in addition to that, the cast, many of them are writers and write their own material. So in any cast, there's... Upwards of ten, fifteen people that are also writing materials. So I don't know, th- maybe thirty-five people. <laughs> <are> <laughs> that adds it. up to sixty. <laughs> and usually,
0: writing in a, in a group, or somebody would just write something and present it, and then everybody works on, like what we've been doing here.
2: It's it's normally uh, groups of two or three that uh, one person will pitch to whoever they're working with on that thing. And say, hey, I have this idea about, um, you know, this random thing. Would you guys be interested in working on it? Or if you had an idea for a, ca- a specific cast member, you would maybe pitch it to them or they would pitch it to you. And usually it's two or three people will sit together and write
0: write it out. People always see the performers. And it's like, wow, the performers did this. Nobody really gives credit to the writers <laughs> and who, who came up with these ideas. Right. And I really admire that, um, especially when there's a lot of really well-woven sketches, even when you talk about like something like The Simpsons and how an episode unfolds. I love the idea of how you have, you, the episode always starts somewhere and then you end somewhere totally different that you mm. never saw coming. Is there a certain science behind that or you just, it depends on who's who's writing it?
2: It's always, it's kind of how you were saying where you start a job and then and then it just becomes a job. It's it's not ever going to just be a job but it it does you start to learn the the theories behind things and the structures behind things. I remember people back when I was doing improv like and I would go to improv rehearsal or improv class people were like how do you rehearse improv? And it's like it's a skill that you learn like <laughs> yeah. trust me. Um so people you know it's talent and and inspiration of course is part of it but there's a vocabulary for it. There's rules for it. There's shortcuts. There's um, roadmaps that you l- pick up along the way. And if it's something like The Simpsons, it's got its own style, its own tone, and its own um, way of, of an episode un- unfolding. So the the hard part is like if you're working on a first season show, is figuring out what what's our tone going to be, what's our voice going to be, how are our episodes going to unfold? Because you don't you can't look at the season before and go, well, let's mm-hmm. just do what we just did. Um, so it's, it's normally, it's in a narrative show, it's all about the st- a story structure and that doesn't really change from show to show. There's like story, a person starts here, starts in one place and then ends in another place emotionally or otherwise. And so it's just figuring out the way to get there.
0: And the topic of comedy in general is a bit touchy where people see comedy as, uh, insulting mm-hmm. in, in a lot of cases. What do you mean? Like if you make a joke about something and it's a joke, they take it seriously. Or it's like or you you're making fun of this person or uh, that person. Mm-hmm. It's like how dare you. If you write something about your parents, they'll think it's real. Mm-hmm. And they're going to say that oh we were bad parents. Did we ever do you ungrateful, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. <laughs> little such and such. <laughs> and it's like no, no, guys, it's a joke. Uh-huh. It's it has maybe sometimes it's you have a small spark. It's really hard to Write comedy when everybody's being super sensitive about it, and and I feel like that there's this shift that's been happening in the states where everybody's being super sensitive. Mm-hmm. And I think recently I heard news even about in the Simpsons where Hank Azaria stopped doing a poo because people were outraged. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's it's acting. Mm-hmm. I mean, from my perspective, it's like even when people talk about. Uh, playing uh, uh, paraplegic or something mm-hmm. it's like oh no it's it's that's not appropriate, but that's acting mm-hmm. so is is does this really hinders the writing process of oh what's acceptable what's not if people are gonna blow things out of proportion
2: well, I think that, that is a it's a very loaded question that was completely peppered by your own opinion about like what you know is acting or you know uh, what's offensive what's not um, which is fine. <laughs> it's a podcast. Um, but I think it's it's a little bit of a false premise sometimes when people say everybody gets really upset and everybody's mad and you, everybody's sensitive. And that's like kind of, um, I don't think it's true that everybody's upset. And I think yeah, that course. like sensitive means different things to different people. So, uh, you know, whereas like, you know, the thing that you were just talking about is like, because people were offering a different perspective on this character and how it affected them. And that, that changed the way that the actor was looking at it. So it is obviously because that people have at their disposal so many more options of reaching you and expressing their opinions about what your work, which Um, is a double-edged sword because it really can be awesome and um, great to engage with people and get – not get ideas, but like it gives you ideas. Uh, But people, if they don't like it, they're going to tell you. And so I think for me personally, it's maybe be more thoughtful. Um, And I actually think it's kind of a gift. It's like I think that the people who will be like, oh, you can't write – anything anymore, like these snowflakes or, you know, um, I'm supposed to be pushing boundaries, um, cancel culture, like PC culture is bad. To me, it's like, you're, you know, just maybe you're being lazy. Maybe you're not, um, you don't want to change or you don't want to figure out like what, what's going on with your material and you don't want to write a joke. You just want to say a thing. And because people are usually more forgiving when it's, it's actually a good joke. Uh, so, I think that now that there's more voices that have typically not been able to sit at the table when it comes to being in the writer's room, being the people that make the decisions about what goes on TV or, or even being the people who have access to social media, who can, um, who can respond. uh, It's, it's, to me, it's a new perspective on like, whoa, when we talk about the way comedy used to be and, uh, now these days, everybody's mad. It's like, well, the way things used to be maybe weren't great. And when we were able to quote unquote say whatever we wanted to, like, what did that mean? And what, who did that affect or was, who was that okay for? Um, so I guess, yeah. So it's like this, you know, generally speaking, too, there's this idea that like, oh, now all of a sudden the rules are different. And it's like, well, maybe. For you feel like the rules are different, but maybe that thing you were doing was never okay, but like the people that it wasn't okay for just never had an opportunity to say it. And am I going to tell you like you can't say what you can't make a joke about this or that? No, because I can't it's, I don't have the power to limit your speech. But I do think that comedy, to me is important. One of the benefits of it is to this sounds corny, but is to tell the truth and expose hypocrisy. So I think that, you know, when you're using it as a, as a, a battering or is like you're hitting somebody d- who's already down, you're hitting them back down. To me, like, that's just not what that hammer should be used for, you know?
0: No, of course. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the things I, I tried to do when I first went and went into comedy. And we had these, a lot of shows that just make fun of people, uh, especially on YouTube, where you have no restrictions, you have... You know, no supervision, whatever. So anybody can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And then you had these shows that people get um, videos from online that anybody would would put up, and they just make fun of them. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's there's this like the laughing stock of the community. <laughs> and one of my friends had to go through this, where like a, a huge. A uh, YouTube celebrity um, found their video, like with their team, found the video. They just look for videos and then they just make fun of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found this video of three high school kids who, who I think they they shot themselves uh, drinking uh, like a really weird drink that's being sold in the market. And their reaction was like, it was just so disgusting and they wanted to throw up. But they're like, they're kids, like they were 14, 13, mm-hmm. stuff like that. <laughs> and this guy put them on this real, like one of the most popular shows on YouTube. Mm-hmm. in the region mm-hmm. and then everybody at school just made fun of them mm-hmm. you know for like the rest of the year and it 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 really affected them in a bad way and this is something I didn't want to do and one of the reasons why I went into this was I didn't I didn't want I wanted to have a clean funny entertaining alternative for kids to watch and not get funny ideas but also send a message tell the truth mm-hmm so I used to. So I created this character where the character is always the butt of the joke, mm-hmm. not everybody else, and the character is just too naive for his own good. And then with a the puppet, I can I can show you somebody getting run over, and it's not violent, it's not bloody, it's not, mm-hmm. and it just sends a message in a nice way. Um, but now, yes, since in there's there's more like more people are watching, more people are being represented in in the media it's it's as you said, we can't be lazy we have to do our homework if I want to do something funny I have to really work at making it if more. if
2: your excuse is going to be I'm a comedian uh, like i I can do what I want, like then yes, you have to do the work if it's hard because sometimes it's just uh, uh, so many of us that are like you know in our thirties and or whatever like. God, thank God there weren't, there wasn't YouTube when I was 18. Oh, because, no,
1: I would be in jail. Probably uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> so
2: don't, people don't get the, these days, like the opportunity to just grow up and mature. So I would like, I would think, I would hope that a lot of people that are putting up these videos that are really hurting other people, um, five years, 10 years later are like, I'm so embarrassed that I did that. And it's just because they matured or maybe, it happened to them. So they got to see the other side of it. There's just, there's no roadmap for this because like we were just right before we started, um, Ryan walked into a table. <laughs> he was talking and looking at me and he walked into a table and I laughed I, like, because it was funny There's just something about that kind of thing. Wasn't that funny? It was very funny.
1: (laughs) 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 Well, now I'm. My feelings are (laughs) hurt.
2: But it's it's like you know, there's you would I would never argue like it's unnatural to put up these videos and laugh at them if they're funny. But there are people who could possibly get hurt, and so I just it's like the rule. There's just there are there's no cut and dried answer or rule or about any of it.
1: I don't think there's a – I don't think you can prescribe a solution that the whole world should be able to – has to follow. You can't put it into law like no no comedy that is mean or whatever. <laughs> but I do think that it's just your personal – every person has to make a personal choice about what kind of thing they produce and what how they choose to live their lives. It's just a, It's just one more moral choice. You can put anything out into the world. You can write any kind of comment online. What do you want that to be? And keep in mind – as they say in the social network, the internet is written in pen. It's not written in pencil. It's like once <laughs> yeah. you put it out there, it's real. So it's a moral decision. It's for, it's think, consider it like eternal, consider it like eternity,
2: which we understand. And I've put now. some things,
1: I'll put this, I say this, I've put things out into eternity that I wish I could take back. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I've made, if I've made some decisions and I've learned from those, some things where I'm like, oh, I really wish I would have done that differently, but that's the life of any creative. And the only, the other thing that I would just say, if there's young creative people even listening to this is, it's very very hard to get a, a a hold of yourself creatively when you're young if you're facing constant criticism think of yes. think of young Mozart or young whatever young uh, uh, Steven Sp- Spielberg somebody like that <laughs> and they go and they make their film they make their symphony they do it and then the first comment online is this this is horrible this is the worst thing I've ever seen you're, you can potentially squash someone's creativity right. when they're 12 yeah. years old when they're 13 years old. And I feel like we're, we have a generation of people now whose creativity is so, vul- they're, they're at the most vulnerable point in their lives. So they can have the meanest comments mm-hmm. as some girl trying to sing a song when she's 10 can now get the people can watch it and go kill yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's horrible. I can't imagine. You have to think, how is creativity going to flourish? And so I think my philosophy about this is that people just have to be encouraged to be creative. You just have to tr- be willing to try and fail. And if you offend people, then ask for forgiveness, be, 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 be humble. Mm-hmm. And also be ready to forgive people if they're not great. You know, like it's a, uh, we have to, this is too much. We have to like <laughs> settle down and like, and, and you give people the opportunity to be creative and, but also be, be mindful that when you are creative, that's it. It's like, it's around the world, <laughs> you know, like it's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> your whatever you do in your bed. This podcast right now could potentially be listened to all around the world. You know, it, it could be, and,
0: and and that, in a certain sense, puts when I discovered this, it puts more pressure on me um, on what I do, and I and I had people send me messages, uh, whether it's on the podcast or uh, or for the podcast or for the videos I do, or even for like the the kids show, and they they tell you like one guy. Um, in the war in uh, Yemen, I actually had several guys um, send me messages on Facebook. It's like, uh, thank you for your videos, for like the funny puppet videos. It's like with everything that's going on, every time I feel down or depressed, I would just, just you know, uh, put on one of your videos laugh and it just puts me in a good mood so thank you for what you're doing and i'm like it's like that that's a lot of pressure you know and so it's just, and, and somebody else one one uh woman sent me a message the other day on on twitter it's like uh, she tweeted like i i take a lot of my parenting advice from amar on the podcast wow. i'm like no bro, don't it's like i don't know what i'm doing and right and she's like, no, it's like you make a lot of sense, and I'm trying to do the same with my daughter and whatnot. So and it's like, oh, I, I really need to think about what I say mm. and, and what I do and what I, what I write because people tend to take it seriously. And then it's the same thing with you. It's like just even multiplied when you, when you write something on a show that everybody around the world is watching. It's like, well, what messages am I sending? Um, uh, how are they going to get this? Does that put pressure on you?
2: it's one thing I'll say about that kind of thing is like it's so often not simply up to that individual writer if it's a tv show or something it's it's about like the network and sometimes the sponsors uh whatever the platform is um that are gonna gonna be the final say before this thing gets out there so it's not always like I write a script and then it shows up on online or on TV. There's, it's going to go through a lot of channels that are going to quote unquote censor it or um, say, Oh, you can't say this word or uh, you can't make fun of this product because they're one of our sponsors. Um, so there are all these other like safeguard. I don't want to even say safeguards because sometimes I think they make things worse.
0: Like levels of, of <laughs> yeah, yeah. whatever F- editing. Filter. Filters. Um
2: So that's what I would say. It, it's, I don't know. I think like what you're saying, It's it depends on your platform. Like I saw Ryan, I'll just remind everyone, Ryan walked into a table um,
1: and I- <laughs> Now it seems like you're making fun of me.
2: Well, no, I just, uh, no, but <laughs> actually this is my own point. And it is makes this me, really the kind of thing you want like to put out into the world fact. is what I'm going to ask you. <laughs> but you walked into a making table. Making fun of your funny. friend for,
1: talki- for you walking talking into a table. You talking for walking walked into a table. All right, fine, whatever. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's up to you if you want to make fun- <laughs> <laughs> people are going to be on my
2: side because you're such a uh, bad guy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but like. He wears I,
0: skulls on. I, yeah. <laughs> that's innocent.
2: I saw him and I laughed because it, it was like a natural human reaction, but it was just like one person, one well, friend laughing at another friend. But if I w- had all these other people and I was like, ha, 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 look at this guy. Or if I had a YouTube channel and I was like, ha, ha, look at this guy. It, it's like all the, your platform is the thing that makes a difference. Um, and, and kind of how you process whatever it is that you saw, you know, like if he got hurt, that would be one thing. Or if it was just funny, if he had a good sense of humor about it. Um, it, I don't know. I don't, I don't even think this is the answer to your question. I just wanted to really bring up the fact that he walked into a table again.
1: I don't, I think, you know, my, <laughs> this is another thing. There's another thing I'll say to the viewers out there. Um, no, is viewers. That, <laughs> they can see me. My points are so good. They can actually see them. <laughs>
2: They're staring at their transistor no. radios. And
0: like when people ask me why, like I, I didn't understand what you said in English, and why do you use English in your podcast? I tell them there's closed
1: captioning. Just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you look hard enough. Yeah, yeah just you, you didn't push the little CC button. <laughs> yes, and I'm speaking in Arabic. <laughs> um, I mean, I think pressure is is uh, I mean, I think yeah, there is pressure, I guess, to put the to 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 I don't know, to be responsible with what you're um with uh what you're saying and but at the same time, you need a looseness to humor. You need a a relaxation with it sometimes. And philosophically, I just like to approach it from the sense of like, Hey, when you're laughing, we're generally all friends here. You know, my one of my favorite directors is a a filmmaker, John Cassavetes, who made some of the greatest American films ever. And he, you know, was probably the greatest director of actors who ever lived. But he said, uh, He had a very good, he had a philosophy I like, which is like, when you're with, hanging out with a bunch of friends, what do you hear? You hear their laughter. Laughter is almost always a sign of friendship. You know, you put a bunch of enemies together, there will be no laughter. That's the, so, so, um that's the kind of guideline that i go by is like oh we're in a room here and there's some laughter going on we must like each other a little bit you know uh if there was no laughter that probably means that we don't like each other <laughs> yeah you know and so i don't i don't know why we get so incredibly uh uptight or so incredibly um i don't know why there's like every day there's like a new article about you know what is comedy offensive or did it go too far or this or that you know i mean i, I understand people get offended and 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 everything but um there are there are real there are actual problems in the world <laughs> besides yeah. this, you know like
0: you know but it's, it's like for me I, I when i when i see my people portrayed in a show or in a cartoon like when family guy did uh, American Dad did a, did, a, did an episode in Saudi Arabia oh. mm. where the whole family just went to Saudi Arabia oh. and half the things were stereotypical but I get the general sense of it. Um Family Guy did something about also Arab terrorism and and Peter Griffin just wearing like you know the stereotypical Arab thing, and Simpsons did something where Homer was like, <laughs> like portraying something like a, a, a Muslim prayer, and you know talking a certain way, and people were upset. But it's for me, I'm I'm happy when I see this because like, hey, we're included, <laughs> you know, in the, the whole narrative, we're part of you know the, the the society, and 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 a lot where where a lot of people get offended by it. I understand that. Okay, so this is a comedy show. They make fun of everything, including themselves. So, I, I I see it as offensive that they don't include me in the mm-hmm. joke. Not not the other way around. But uh-huh. people, they are quick to laugh at everybody else, and then it's when it's them, it's like, oh, that's hey, that's not right. funny. Right? No, that's that we're not like that. Well, none of it is like <laughs> that. Like reminds that. me
2: of um when, uh, I think I have the story right, but uh South Park which famously makes fun of absolutely everybody wanted to do something about Scientology and that's when they killed off um Chef.
0: Yeah because he refused to do it. Cuz he
2: refused to do oh, it. Because a
1: case with Scientology. Yeah, yeah. because he was yeah. a
2: Scientologist yeah. and it was that was I think a great example of like wait a minute you've you participate in all these episodes that have made fun of other yeah. quote unquote religions and then when it's turned on your when yours you couldn't you couldn't handle it,
0: and they killed him a really nasty <laughs> yeah kill <laughs> yeah I remember that <laughs> he died the nasty death, but it's it, it's exactly like that. I see it in, in like the fa- the I think American Dad episode, and when they arrived at Saudi Arabia, and it's of course it's all desert, um, and they're they're in the airport and they're waiting uh, next to the conveyor belt for their luggage, and it's like a piece of luggage piece of luggage. Camel with a tag in his you know ear, mm-hmm. then a piece of luggage, piece of luggage. Mm-hmm. Um and that's funny. Um for me. People get offended, it's like, no, we don't use camels. Like, duh, I never would ridden down a camel in my life, but I get the joke. Um
2: Wait, do, is it let me ask you, is like I can see why people would be ups, would be upset or offended if it's like, okay, we have at least in this like American Dad episode, we have one chance they're not gonna do five Saudi Arabia episodes. And Americans are going to see that episode and think this is every Sa- Assad, blegh, Saudi Arabian person that lives exactly like this. Cause there's, uh, when I think sometimes when they when there's so little representation, people get, get, um, uh, p- pigeonholed into yes. like, e- you're like this or you're like this or like there's, a, you know, we, a show can have like, uh, a nerdy white guy, a, uh, like, a, f- a freewheeling white guy, uh, uh, you know, all these different white guys, and then the black guy. And black is like just supposed to be his whole He's personality.
1: representative of all. He's representative black of all. Yeah, like, yeah, in, yeah, and and yeah. so
2: when there's so little representation, um, you don't get to see like the breadth of like, uh, a, a you know, a, a country or a culture or something. And not that you can ever show that in one show, but I think that I can see why people get frustrated, um, when, when they feel like it, you know, it's a disservice because so many eyeballs are going to be on it, and so many people are going to make it so many people. If, if we're already a marginalized group in America, they're going to be making more judgments on us based on this thing. And if I don't like this thing, then that's going to make me worried.
0: But I, I would get that if it's like a show like uh CSI or 24. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't get that with comedy because when you look at American Dad it's like well American Fathers are not like that <laughs> that's really offensive for American Fathers and uh-huh. wives and k- children and community because everybody on that show is weird mm-hmm. and is not real um, when you see something like Family Guy so they have a quagmire which is just like okay so maybe you have some like some kind of a character like that yeah you, you have some people like Peter Griffin but it's it's you know margins of each character that's blown up um uh which is the same for the arab characters so when you talk about the episode in saudi arabia it's like the whole show doesn't make like uh, it's it's not a mirror for reality so this shouldn't be mm-hmm. as as well now if somebody believes that it is well that's their their problem mm-hmm. i i feel but if it's i i'm more i'm offended by when when they mentioned us on fox news you know <laughs> oh, yeah, offended by fox. exactly so and 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 or the 700 club right, <laughs> you yeah. know it's it's but shows like this no it's like everybody's in on the joke uh just include us but now you see it more and more that we are being included like the last spider-man movie and like the group that peter parker was in they had like a Muslim girl with them from from school, yes, and the
1: and the whole trip, and you see her with her hijab throughout mm-hmm. the whole movie. That never used to happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think exactly. I agree one hundred percent with what you say. That that that. Um and well, by, to tell you the truth, I'm not, I don't, I don't really love that family guy style humor. I think it sometimes it can be a little belittling and, and, yes. and it can, and it can, and it can be offensive in certain ways and insensitive in certain ways. So I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not fully on board with all, with every instance of that. But I would say that those things are, you know, they're literally cartoons. They're cartoonish because they're cartoons. Uh, but, and, and, and they're not mirrors to reality, but you do need a mirror to reality. Yes. We need, you need a baseline representation of reality. And if, for instance, there's no representation of a, just what a realistic Muslim is like in American culture, mm-hmm. then Americans, are just going to walk around not knowing what that is. And, and and so that's why it's important to not just not just have one Muslim character in a, on a on a show, but have a couple, have one that has flaws, has have one that's righteous, has have one that you or, know or or, or know.
2: if there is only one because that, you know, makes sense, have them be a human like have them not be a like a caricature of what we what a, like a someone who maybe has never even met a Muslim in their life thinks, oh, maybe he's like this, like yeah. giving people more of a, well, of like not just be, well, I mean, if it's a cartoon, they are kind of like two dimensional, but just sticking, staying away from things that can be harmful. Like, yeah. yeah.
1: I just don't, I don't, I don't like, I, I, I see the thing about like tokenism and, and everything. Right. Yes, like that Yes. Is I don't like to, I really dislike tokenism. There's an old movie that is, I'll, I keep on talking about, I keep on using dramatic examples, <laughs> but there's an old movie called, but blue collar directed by Paul Schrader. And Paul Schrader, he, this movie starred Harvey Keitel, Yafet Koto, and Richard Pryor. And when he was trying to get the film made, Yafet Koto and Richard Pryor are both African-American. And he was saying, I, this is who I want to cast. And at the time, the studio was like, that's not how it works. In an American film, it's two white actors and one black guy. That's what's a, That's what a marketable film is. And he said – if I make only one black character, I can't give that guy any dimension. He has, he's going to have to be a saint Mm -hmm. in the movie. And and so I can't, I can't, I can't, what am I going to do with that? You know, it's going to have to, I I can't. And so eventually he convinced them to cast two African American actors. And one was a very, a very principled character. And the other was a scoundrel. The other was a guy who had a lot of moral uh, defects and whatever. And so you actually get human beings as characters instead of just like, they must represent the perfect thing, you know?
2: Yeah, that's great. I, it's, it's funny. Like you're saying about like, they're including us. It's, I think there's a, there's a, you know, if you are in a group and you're different in some way and everybody's making fun of you, it's like, well, like they're, inc- they're including me. I'm, I'm in on the joke. Uh, we're all laughing together, but everybody's making fun of me. Um, that's bullying. That's bullying. But that's like, I think that's one way that people think, yeah, but you're, you're in on the joke. You know, we have like a, this is a made up example, but like, you know, we have an Asian per- person on in our, um, in our episode. It's like, right. But like, the, the person is not in any way, like, it's not well, representation. Yeah,
0: I understand that. But what I'm saying is, is that the whole show is making fun of the American culture mm-hmm. of this like white family, mm-hmm. and then other families around it from other different like uh, ethnicities. And then one episode, they, they included this ethnicity. So it's it's not like the 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 show is only making fun of me. Mm-hmm. It's it's making fun of itself. It's making fun of everybody, and it just so happens that it made, made, they made one episode about us, and then they moved on to everybody else. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm against any race making fun of another race, mm-hmm. um, or any type of person, whatever they are. But if I'm making fun of everybody, including myself, it's like even like with my kids when I joke around and I make jokes about them in the house. It's only fair to have them make jokes about me. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, like I have a rule with them. My, my daughter is, is, is like, she's always joking around everything. It's like, if you, even if you tell a disrespectful joke about me, like in front of my face, if it's funny, if I laugh, it's okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to regret that when she's, when she's like 18. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's, it's
0: like, I see that like, you know, the comedy tendencies in her and it's like, and I grew up, as like every time I used to say a joke, everybody's like, that's disrespectful. You're not supposed to say this. What is wrong with you? And it, that just killed it for a long period of time mm-hmm. up until I got the confidence to bring it back. And with her, it's like, I'm trying to nurture that. It's like, okay, if you like to tell jokes... I'll help you learn how to tell them the right way. Mm-hmm. So if it's if it's a bad joke and it's disrespectful, you're going to be <laughs> punished. That's great. That's great. <laughs> because if if you're stand up comedian and, and and you bomb, then it's it's like people will punish you. Yeah, and it could ruin your career. But it's at the same time, it's like if like party A is making fun of themselves in their own show and make fun of everybody else, that that's fine. Mm-hmm. And I see that fine. But it's like what what you said is like if. A group of friends sitting and they're just joking about one person and everybody else is off limits, that, that, that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But now, like, you see that representation coming up, even like the uh, last month I was watching Bojack Horseman, the show on Netflix. And constantly, every other episode, you see a Muslim person. A brown person in the background, a Muslim lady in the background, you know, walking. So we're starting to creep into <laughs> pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have people who are Muslim, uh, not necessarily Arabs having their own shows like, uh, uh, Hassan Minhaj mm-hmm. on, on, uh, on Netflix. Netflix. And, and that just, it, it just makes. The world and specifically the American society, uh, more accustomed to, oh yeah, Muslims. Like, yeah, there's this guy, there's that guy, there's this Mm -hmm, guy. mm -hmm. That will make it easier for us even to just penetrate that market. And Mm if, uh, at one point I want to go to Hollywood and start like writing or start performing or do something, it's going to be more acceptable. It's like, hey, wait a minute. Yes, we need, we need an, you know, someone with, you know, Arab background so we can write this or we can do that. And that's that's one of the things, uh, you know, one of the main things that a lot of us creatives in this industry here are trying to do is just to get to a point where we can get to that mainstream part of the industry where you can be, you know, part of the creative decision making, decision making, yeah, yeah, in in these type of shows, just to help represent us the right way. Right. But now that there's, you see, the acceptance. And you see that oh so okay we're we're including that in in our stories we feel like it's easier for us to go there and why something like this what we're doing here this uh, workshop is important um, so we can get to speak the same language mm-hmm. um, when it comes to you know uh, cre- the creative process which makes it easier for us to actually go there and and help in any way shape or form we can do
2: mm-hmm. yeah I think I think that speaks to <laughs> the role of um, media, maybe particularly television and movies in providing that kind of representation, you know, it's, you're saying like we, we see ourselves represented and then that makes us feel like more welcome and in going into that industry or maybe going to Hollywood specifically. And then there's more representation, there's more. And it, to me, it shows the power of uh, telling stories, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but telling these stories to a larger audience, because then it's also like, yeah, and you're telling like Joe Schmo, who lives in like some dumb suburb, like, yeah, like there's all sorts of Muslims, and they're just like you and me. And then maybe in whatever industry, whatever industry, not even the creative industry, like there's more room for more different kinds of people, because people are learning. um, I mean, it all goes back to Sesame Street, (laughs) like people are learning, like we're all the same, we all have the same struggles, but you know, when you only see people like you represented all the time, um, you don't. A lot of people don't realize um, just how big the world is, and. Even how big and d- diverse America is,
1: I, one thing I would add to this is that I think that the you know the, the, there's been a sea change in Hollywood, kind of in the last like I don't know maybe three years or something in terms of inclusion. Like a lot of writers' rooms are now much more much better than they were ten years ago. About like okay, we need to, we actually need m- more a, a, a more gender equality in the room, or a wider range of of uh, racial representation in the room, or and or even a, a, a wider range of just kind of a, an international perspective in, a, in certain rooms or whatever so I think that that in that respect I think that if you're not already seeing it in movies and television you will very soon be seeing it in a lot more movies and mm-hmm. television so in a certain way there's I have hope for it what I have less hope for and where I'm more pessimistic is the idea that people will, will truly be able to uh, express their their cultural, differences and peculiarities because a lot of times my feeling in in, about Hollywood and about that structure is that it's like, yeah, we're bringing you in, but can you just act like an American? (laughs) (laughs) uh, You know, and that's used. And I like Harold and Kumar or whatever, but that's an example almost of like, okay, we're bringing you in, but like, can you just, can you just kind of do the weeds, the, you know, the, 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 uh, whatever the kind of drug humor kind of thing or whatever. And it's like, and that's fine. That's good. Those are, those are funny guys and, and those are, and those movies have, have their place. But I would be curious to see what a show that had, I don't know, about practicing Muslims, about, I don't know, people that not only don't look like you, people that don't think exactly like you or worship exactly like you, you know, like, I, I, I think, Real inclusion is including m- more than just you know like okay we hired you that's enough you know like I, th- I, th- I think it's like let's, like let's actually let's include some ideas you know mm-hmm. um, and that require and that's what really fosters especially religious understanding uh, or, or cross um, uh, uh, I guess uh, in- interfaith dialogue and all that kind of stuff which is all very like highfalutin kind of stuff to talk about. But it's important, you know, because film f- entertainment is very important in expressing that. You know, how else would you learn about someone else's religion if you don't, you know, watch Christmas movies?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and in, and in, in, it's not just about religion, even just about culture. And when you see like a movie like Aladdin and it's supposed to be like a Middle Eastern, Arab type culture, and then anytime they put music on or dance, they're putting Indian music and uh-huh. dancing in Indian Dance moves. Yes, and it's yeah. like, we don't have that. We don't wow. even... I, know. You know?
1: I saw, I watched some of it on the plane, and I was like, this is really pretty Bollywood. It's, it's Bollywood. <laughs> wow. yeah. And it's it, it's
0: totally <laughs> different here. Like, in, in each Arab country, you go to, they have their own dance and stuff, but none of them looks like the Indian part. And a lot of Arabs I know didn't really go watch Aladdin. As soon as they saw, it's like, well, first of all, they didn't cast... All you know the main characters as Arabs. They have like a Persian guy. They have an Indian lady, and they have okay an Egyptian guy. So that's that's fine. But everybody else is not. And then they look at the dress, and they look at the culture, and they look at everything. Is like that's not Arab. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at the story itself, it didn't did not originate or it wasn't written in the Arab region. It came from uh, furthermore east and. Uh, and in the, in the story is like, oh, so the king married somebody who was like from closer to, from a place closer to India. And that's why it's kind of a mixed place. And that's the reasoning behind it, mm-hmm. which is fine for me. I went and saw the movie. I like it. <laughs> and, but it's, it's and the genie is from West Philadelphia. <laughs> Ayo, yeah. Born, <laughs> born and raised. So <laughs> it's, so in, in general, just, the, just that culture. And, and it's really frustrating sometimes when you watch a movie and they have like a Saudi guy and he doesn't have the headgear on right and it's like a very simple thing to do right and uh, right. it's it's not it's not that complicated right. but just get anybody i mean the amount of yes. saudi students you have in los angeles studying yes. just go to any university yes. like okay you're saudi okay come here can you show us how to wear this or okay yeah. we want to write this can you show us how to write it Yep. Yeah. um that, i've seen that
2: so much in in so much tv and movies uh, uh, for so long written by men and the way that they write women is like, what woman exactly. would talk like that? What woman would do that? And just, I was in uh, a writer's room that was almost, in, uh, this was back when I was at SNL and I don't know if it was when you were there or not, Brian, but there was like this pitching and it had to do with, uh, um, Sanitary napkin. Okay. And guys were talking, like, they kept pitching something that did, made absolutely no (laughs) sense. (laughs) And I won't get into it because I don't know what your censorship is like, but I just finally was, I was like, that's not, you don't put it on your body, you put it in your underwear. (laughs) And, like, I, I, but I also had to make sure I said it in a way that wasn't scolding. I had to couch it in a joke. Um. One one person, I was not. I you know and he he reacted as if I yelled at him, and it was just like out of nowhere, and it was so weird. Um, and it was just like, oh, I mean, I, I could have not said anything, and you guys could have done it wrong. Like I didn't, I mean, say that, but it was just kind of an example of, oh my God, there's so much, so many people writing um, for people that they, they're just guessing. It's just all guesswork until so you kind of have someone or have enough experience with. Um, more people in your life where you can have a better understanding of how actual people do actual things of
0: course well i don't want to take too much of your time so if if you want to give an advice uh for anybody who wants to let's say make it on hollywood from from the arab region what advice would you give them how what's the what's a way for them to be able to go
1: there
2: Walk into a lot of tables. (laughs) Uh, I think you just hop on a flight. Yeah, come stay at Ryan's house. (laughs) Um,
1: I don't, you know, my career is actually not very good. So I don't have, I don't don't have great. (laughs) Not true at all. I mean, I would say, first of all, I would say it's, it's, it's a little bit hard to do from far away. It's the kind of thing where you might have to spend some time in either New York or Los Angeles. I prefer Los Angeles, uh, you know, as a place to, uh, to, uh, to, you know, make it in Hollywood if it's, if it's a making in Hollywood question. Um, um, you know, that having been said, I guess the, the kind of, um, the ability to self-produce your own material is, easier now than ever the idea of picking up a camera picking up finding actors and collaborators uh, around you is easier than ever you can make something in your country and it can be an indication you can hone your skills there you can hone the skills of a great filmmaker a great comedian uh in a country that may not even have a uh uh, i'm talking about this broader region or or around the world not just uh, (laughs) this country um but, uh, you know, uh, you don't have to have a thriving film industry necessarily to uh, to have a great indication of your work. So it's re- a lot of it is just in the practicing and the doing of it. And in there, you don't do it alone. That's the only thing I've learned is you just have to have the absolute find the absolute best people that you know the most talented people that you know and hold on to them for dear life and uh and be their friend and help them with their stuff and they'll help them with yours and you will make it you will you will make it you know um uh that's generally kind of what i would say (laughs) um uh and and also uh, making it in hollywood is overrated um (laughs) uh it might be a dying industry. It might actually not even be, it might be a minimum wage job <laughs> in five years, you know? Okay. So, um, uh, I'm not to say that don't come to Hollywood <laughs> or anything, <laughs> yeah. but at the same time, uh, making it in Hollywood is, uh, 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 be ready to just be satisfied with the, the work just in case you don't make a million dollars, which I'll never see him. I'll be dead before I see a million dollars.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always told him, if you die, I'll give you a million dollars. <laughs> Um, I think, I wonder if, and I think this is one of the reasons that we were brought out here for this workshop is because the, there are more opportunities in other places like Holly quote unquote, Hollywood is coming to other places. And there are more writers rooms in different countries and um now with Netflix and international stuff, like more industry is springing up in the native place, place that's native to whatever the content is. Um, but I don't know what it's like to try to make it from here. Um, but I think that Ryan's advice about like just doing the work and surrounding yourself with people who are doing it too, or just any sort of people who, who are not only creative, but who make things and do the work and do the things that they say they're going to do. I think that's like one why people like, you know, living in New York or LA is like, oh my God, not only am I surrounded by people who say I have this idea that blah, blah, blah in whatever f- art form. But they do it and they make it happen. And that kind of energy and, um, industriousness can be contagious. So, like, if you're trying to do comedy, it's, you need other people. Com- you need other people because you need to know, know what a la- where a laugh is. So finding other people that are, that are also doing what you do is, um, really important.
1: And maybe get an Asian. <laughs> <laughs> actually actually we have not even talked about this but, but we've all fired our agents Writers. every, every our writer union. our union has has fired our agents uh, because uh agents uh, were not uh, uh, playing by the rules of uh, the most of the the big 4 agencies uh, we're not, we're uh, basically packaging and taking a big cut of packaging from, uh, from, uh, uh basically it's, it was kind of a, you know, the traditional agent relationship is that they find you work and they get a cut of the percentage of what you make. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, it's kind of complicated to explain, but basically th- this over the last 20 years or so, this is not the model anymore. Uh, and the, and our union has had to make a, a difficult decision with, uh, with agents. And so, uh, even that. Even that well-worn advice, even that timeless advice of right. have an agent is right. like, that might be useless, right. <laughs> you well, know? Yeah, <laughs>
2: it's, it, it, everything is changing. Like, things are changing so rapidly. And it just goes back to what we were just saying. It's like, yes, obviously an agent and, you know, actors haven't fired their agents and stuff like that. But, you know, now it, the the Writers Guild it's people are just relying on each other and writers trying to help other writers find work and provide opportunities for showrunners to get scripts and and things like that. And if you're someone who's already been in a creative community, you already like have a leg up because you can have someone that's goes like, Oh yeah, I worked with Ryan, like hire him. He's great. Or like if people ask about you and you know, you already have a lot of people that you've worked with, whether like in paid jobs or not, um, then you get recommended for things.
0: Yeah, that's that's uh, uh, give or take some of the advice I always give to people is like just just do something. I mean, mm-hmm. my, my f- the first show I worked on was just a, like a really awful awful YouTube show, but I knew nothing at the time. But the only reason and and I did it with a YouTuber who was like one of the top YouTubers in the, in the country, and we met for something like complete chance and. We were having lunch together and we were talking. First time I meet the guy and I told him, I asked him, about like, is there any YouTube shows like kid shows or puppet shows? Um, he said, no, no. Uh, I told him, well, this is something I'm working on. I'm trying to do this and this and this. And I and then I showed him the audition tape that I did for um, Sesame Street, mm-hmm. uh, which I got rejected from mm-hmm. uh, eventually. <laughs> and then before I actually worked back with them. But when he saw the video, he... It, it stuck in his head and then a week later, by complete coincidence mm-hmm. we meet we bump into each other and it's like, hey, you know what? I still you know remember that video you showed me. I think you should do something with this. I told him, well, why not we do it together He said, okay great, let's well, let's do it. Yeah. And we started writing something, we shot something, but that just gave me like the just made me put my first foot into the industry mm-hmm. and I felt like, oh if this guy thinks, this is a great idea. Maybe I should really pursue it, and mm-hmm. I did, and that mm-hmm. just gave me the fire to really continue.
2: It's like they they said the quote, "Luck is preparation meets opportunity." Exactly. So you had that video, you had made that thing, and then you had the opportunity, and you made your own luck. You exactly. know, if, if you if you hadn't done the work beforehand and had been like, "Yes, I am ready." Um, I say I'm ready, a lot of people think that they're ready, and then it's like, okay, well, show me, and they're like, um, give me a month or whatever, you're just so much better off.
0: Yeah, and he told me that later on, he said, if you didn't show me that video, I wouldn't be taking you seriously, because you can't imagine how many people tell me I have a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, when I saw it, I said like, oh, first of all, this is serious, and I saw the potential Mm -hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, let's take it a step forward. So after mm-hmm. that, every time I have an idea, I just go out and do it. If I can't find anybody to do with me, I just do it however I can, get it out there, and see how people react to it, and that gets you. And everybody who asks me is like, how can I be a voice actor? How can I be a puppeteer? Or just work in the industry. Just do something. Do something. Just yeah, do, do something and yeah, put it out have there.
1: an indication. It's like, what do you do? You want to do something? What do you do? Show me what you got. And and that and sometimes and in, the, in the contemporary age, that usually means like, put something on camera put something record something make something you know you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take that's wow uh, that's a good quote yeah baseball america's (laughs) pastime
0: (laughs) (laughs) great quote to end on this if people want to get in in uh like contact with you or something do you have like social media accounts that you would like to give to people or
2: sure you can follow me but do not Contact me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just
0: follow you online.
2: <laughs> I won't respond. Uh I'm on Twitter at Nanglish N A N G L I S H.
1: I'm uh on Twitter at RyGuyPerez, and I'm gonna leave the spelling up to you. <laughs> okay, that's yes. amazing.
0: Um well thank you, Christine and Ryan. Uh really appreciate you giving me the time. I know it's been a long day for all of us. Especially for you, uh, because you're preparing for all of this. We're jet-lagged. Uh, and jet-lagged and everything. But uh, really appreciate your time. We and appreciate
1: you so much. This yes. has been a wonderful conversation. And thank you for asking us to do this. Yes. Uh,
0: it's, it, it's a pleasure. Um, and for everybody else, uh, this was Ammar. Uh, you can find me at sabban31, S-A-B-B-A-N. Um, as always, give us comments. Uh, let us know what you thought about the episode. Uh, if you'd like to say anything, uh, let us know online. And uh, that's a wrap.